Uh, we'll do the Torah and tea today on the portion of Mishpatim, but um, Mishpatim is a very legal portion, you know, it talks about uh, legal uh, matters, uh, mostly uh, judgments between um, watchmen, what is their responsibility, and you know, a lot, a lot of, just a lot, a lot of laws. Uh, if you make a stumbling block, uh, somebody hurts himself or themselves, and uh, Again, a lot, a lot, a lot of laws, and there's a lot of details, a lot of laws. But the opening of the parsha is like really um, difficult, especially for you know you're trying to get some inspiration from the parsha. You want to get some uh, energy, ideas to uh, service of Hashem, and you know some of these laws don't even they don't even apply today. We don't even have anything. So. It's always interesting to see how the Rebbe goes and gives us a deeper dimension, takes peels off a few layers and shows deeper how to apply it to uh, our lives. But let's just talk about, first of all, just to see what are we talking about over here. So uh, we're talking about slaves. Uh, that's the opening uh, halacha of the parsha. talking about slaves. It talks about a Hebrew slave. Basically, there could be a Hebrew slave, and there could be a Canaanite or a non-Jewish slave, a Hebrew or a non-Hebrew slave. Um, a Hebrew slave, by definition, is not really owned by the master. He works as a slave, and by the way, we talk about slaves over here, and you know, of course, today we don't have any more slavery. But even in the times of the Talmud and the Halacha, when this did apply, uh, I think I said it already once that um, person was required to treat the slave with great deal of respect, and couldn't just you know. Uh, <coughs> treat him, mistreat, or do anything wrong. Like, for example, uh, the halacha says that you have to make sure to take care of your slave. Uh, very, uh, make sure that he has all his needs. So it says, like, what happens if a person only has one pillow? Remember that? Yeah. Right? So what happens if you have one pillow, and you have a choice? So who gets to take the pillow? You or the slave? A slave. A slave? So this rabbi asked, I repeated this, says, how come the slave gets to take the pillow? But why? Okay, you have to treat him. But why do I have to treat the slave better than myself? So he said, aha. He says, if you only have one pillow, why are you buying a slave? (laughs) 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 Don't buy a slave. So, you know, make sure if you have a slave, you have to make sure that you're able to take care of him. But in any event, Talks about a slave. So there's a Hebrew slave. Here we're talking about these many laws, but let's not get sidetracked. Let's talk about a Hebrew slave. How does a person become a slave? What happens? So, okay, so this is the situation. Could be one of two ways. One of two ways it could be. One way would be a person who stole by someone, and then they, he got caught. And he has to pay back. And he doesn't have any money to pay back. So 
he is sold in called slavery, which means he has to work for the amount of money to pay back what he is stole. That is called sold by the betin. Betin will sell him to pay if he doesn't have the bills. But you have to you have to uh, get sold to slavery. I mean, all of us, in a sense, we'll see that are sold into slavery to our jobs and everything else that we we have to do. Get paid. Well, but you're also getting paid, so you don't have to steal. Okay, so what's the difference? Either you get you, you you either you get into slavery after you stole, or you so you don't have to steal. So to make ends meet, so <coughs> we'll see. We'll talk a little bit about the different <coughs> ideas over here. But so that's one thing based in so the bet then the, the court sells sells you to someone who says, well, he's going to work for me, and uh, I'm going to pay for him. And then you take the money and you pay the other the other person. It's one way. And the other way is when a person is is destitute, you know, he doesn't have any money to pay his bills. Like I said before, but he goes and sells himself for a slave so he can have money, so he can uh, survive. And that's where he gets money. And then eventually he goes out. That's 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 the way. That's the way slavery works. But what does our pasuk talks about? He says like this. What does the verse say? He says when you buy a Slave, a Hebrew slave, he only, the Torah put a limit, six years he shall work, and the seventh year he goes free. So he works for six years, seven, seven years goes free. Now, what happens during those six years? So it says, the halacha is, that the master has also a maid servant. So he can make a marriage between the maid servant and the slave he can arrange a marriage between them and then what happens is the children that are born to the maidservant from the slave from the Hebrew slave in this case stay with the master and then the, after six years the Hebrew slave goes out free and the children and the wife, they stay, continue staying slave. They're not Hebrew slaves. They stay there. They stay with the master oh, further on. Hebrew. Not Hebrew. No, that's the whole idea. That even though they're not Hebrew and they're not really Jewish, yeah. still they're allowed to be together because while he's a slave, he's allowed to marry this uh, maidservant who is also a woman slave. And the owner owns the children and owns the master. Okay, yeah, this is the law. So what happens? So after six years, he says, I love my wife, and I love my children, and I don't want to leave. I want to stay with them. So he says he's not ready to leave after after six years. The Torah says, six years, you're done. You're Now you can go free. He says, no, no, I'd rather sit and work and be here. But I want to be with my wife and children. This is my wife, this is my children. I don't want to go anywhere. So then the Torah says like this. This is all in the beginning of the Parsha. You remember that part or not? You don't remember that part? You seem like you thought, well, that's right in the beginning. Read in the Parsha, Mishpatim. Okay, so, read, so it's right in the beginning. So it says, so it says that the master, because he doesn't want to leave, so the master will drill his ear with a knoll, uh, with a marzea, with a boring uh, don, and 
he stays with his master till till the jubilee year, till fifty years he stays. He has you to. Ever get paid? He gets paid the whole time. Oh, okay. Now, one of the things is you have to also realize, especially in those days, if people had a place that somebody took care of them, fed them, and gave them a place to sleep, and gave them the pillow, and that other thing, that's all they needed. They were happy, you know. They had a wife and they had children. They they were happy. They didn't need anything. They were actually happier than going out to have to work and earn for a living and for themselves, fend for themselves. So they were, it was not a bad arrangement, you know, for some people. Yeah. And what if the person met their financial obligation by being an Oved Yivri within three years? So, that's a, a good question. Um, I haven't studied all the exact details of the law, but presumably, um, then he doesn't have to work more than that. The Torah gives basically a maximum. Yeah. Doesn't want him to stay more than six years. If he stays more, if he says, I want to stay more than six years, so then it says the master will take the marzea, that's the boring, uh, you know, like the earring, the piercing, what do they call that? What you pierce the ear with? Uh, whatever. And Make a needle, what a marseille, called a marseille in Hebrew, and it drills through the year, and then he remains there until the Jubilee year. That's the Allah. So now, now I want to just tell you a little bit of what Rashi says. So Rashi comments on this. So Rashi says, first of all, Rashi determines that it's the right year. Okay. So now, Rashi continues, and Rashi asks, well, why do we pierce the ear versus any of the other limbs of the person? Today, you know, you see people pierce, every part of the body is pierced, you know, so why do we pierce the ear? So Rashi says, quotes from a rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He said like this, he said, the ear, I mean, this is talking about right after the Torah was given. When the Torah was given, Torah was given on Mount Sinai. Hashem was there. He gave the Torah at the Har Sinai. All the Jewish people were there, and they heard. What did Hashem say? Lo tignov, you shall not steal. So your ear heard. Don't steal. Why did you go? You went and you stole. So we have to drill your ear because you didn't listen to what you heard there. That's the situation when he was sold because he stole. What happens if a person sells himself? It doesn't, not sold by the Pesdin. What a person sells himself? So over there we say that you heard also on Har Sinai. Hashem said, the Jewish people are my slaves, are enslaved to Hashem. And you went and you became a slave. In other words, you acquired a master for yourself. Now you have, it's not God is your master alone. You have another master who tells you what to do. Again, you violated your independence. You should not have sold yourself into slavery. And because you did that, and your ear is the one that heard that, so that's why it should be drilled. That's the both cases. 
And the Rashi further brings down from Rabbi Shimon, who says another interesting thing. But the Torah says you take the person next to the door and the doorpost, and that's where you drill his the ear by so the door. Do you drill it when they first become your slave? Or good question. The idea you're getting at is a very good point. No. It's after, after the six after years, they choose, and they choose to, to stay. Leave. Yeah. But your question, I'm gonna, which we're going to address later on, what you're asking is, if we're drilling his ear because he sold himself or he stole, why don't we drill his ear when, when he first sells him? Why do we have to wait for... Because he might go free after six years. Yeah, but... So, but for, for it's not for how long he's going to be there. I mean, it seems like it's Rashi seems to say that it's because quoting it's because you. Why did you go and sell yourself? That's it's not because you want to. Rashi doesn't say because you choose to stay. It seems the act was or the act of stealing. Now one can extend the question further. Even why don't we bore the ear of anybody who steals? <laughs> you know, just if you stole, they catch you. Bore his ear. Or one can ask the question and say, any violation of the Torah? If you heard, you heard on modern Torah, you heard on, so why do we... So, well, the Rebbe, well, I'm going to get back to the point to the what I want to continue, Rashi, but the Rebbe explains, very interesting. He says that, um, he quotes, there's like a Pesach in Mishlei that says that you're not going to degrade a thief who steals because he's hungry and he wants to feed his family. There's a verse over there. He says sometimes people steal because they're forced into it, because they don't have any other way. You know, I uh, uh, like to tell the story about uh, there were um, several people in prison and uh, one day the, uh, the governor decided he'll go visit the prison to see you know, what he can do, maybe uh, help some of the people that, and uh, maybe can let somebody free. Then, so he goes and he asks everybody what they're in for. Everybody said they didn't do nothing. This one says, it's my mother's fault. This one says, that one's fault. I never did it. They made it up. Nobody did anything. And then there was this Yiddle over there, this Jewish fellow uh, sitting there. He said, what are you in for? He says, uh, Mr. Governor, I'll tell you the truth. He says, you know, I came home, the wife and the kids are crying, they want something to eat, there's nothing in the house to eat, you know, so I couldn't take any more the pain of the wife and the children. I went to the store, I took a couple of things, I thought nobody saw saw me, and I took it home to feed my family, and they caught me, and they put me in uh, for theft. So the governor says, he says, you, go free. So, all the other people say, this is not justice. He's the only admitted felon. We all did nothing. He's the only one who admits that he's this, that he, How come he gets to go free and we all get to stay? He says, you know what? I don't want this guy to corrupt you all. <laughs> so, anyways, sometimes when people steal because uh, they're in the very difficult situations, you can't really, we don't know. So when a person stole, just because the person stole, we don't know yet. It doesn't mean that they're 
that they're chosen that thing that that's why they did it because they don't care about it. Uh, the same thing is when a person is destitute or he sells himself. Originally, we don't know. We're not, we're not sure why a person sells. A person sells himself. Uh, a person doesn't really. Uh, it's not natural for a person to want to have somebody boss him around. You know, I mean, it's not naturally. You know, this, uh, but uh, people don't want other bosses. But why would a person want a boss? You know, why would he sell himself? Probably he's so he's so des- desperate, and so he has no choice. So what are we going to go bore his ear and make him uh, shame him or make him a defect in his ear? So because he was desperate and he did, he made a mistake or he did something. So that's why the Torah doesn't say that right when. That's why we don't when a person steals or does any of it. We're not sure why a person does what they do. We can't just go ahead and boy, drill anybody's ear because we're saying, well, you did, did the wrong thing. We don't do that. But. Over here, he has an opportunity to go already. The Torah says go. That's the time. So, over here, we're saying, hey, you're in these circumstances. You're in the unnatural circumstances. You have a servant. You have, and now you still don't want to leave. That means that the reason that you stole, or the reason, you don't really care about this, this and and and. And, and now you deserve for what you did then, because it proves to us now that originally it wasn't, not even for what you're doing now. So now you don't want to leave, we understand. That's also excusable, we understand. Why does the person not want to leave? We can't just fault the person now for not wanting to leave now. He has a wife and he has kids, so, you know, that's a natural that's a natural connection. He doesn't want to leave because he's you natural. Fault, huh? You should fault him for leaving. Leaving their wife. Ah, no, you fault him for leaving. Okay. All right. But that's, <laughs> that's another one. But here, we're boring his ear, actually, not for leaving now. But now it shows that the beginning wasn't so... He wasn't so innocent in the beginning that it was because... Had he been really forced into this against his will, once he had the opportunity to go, notwithstanding all the pressure, he would have chosen that. And that's why the Torah says, and by the way, the Torah actually says the ear, as we're going to see, because people pierce their ears all the time. I mean, that's not something which is really a very painful or a very uncommon. Or it's a, in, in, in the olden days, not only today, but you see from the Pasuk, that the men, the women, the children, everybody pierced their ears. Everybody had the, the so the rings of the ears. There was something which was, which was very common. And uh, the, yeah, what were you going to say? <clears throat> Would the um, master match a Jewish slave with an, a non-Jewish maid if he, the Jewish slave, was married to a Jewish woman on the outside? It's another very good question, and the answer to that is. First of all, when he's not married, and the Torah allows him, even if he's married, to marry another wife, another woman, this maidservant. The maidservant is basically, when I said I call it marriage, it's not really a marriage. It's really for, you know, having the children, and the children belong to the master. That's really what it's about. It's not really a regular marriage. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a real, I called it marriage, but it's not, it's not really marriage. So but in any event, he'd go back to his wife, I would think. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. But actually, the the the, the, the master is not only is he work for me. He's supposed to support his wife and his children. The the Hebrew man that he bought as a slave, he's obligated to take care of them. He meaning the master. The master. Oh. The master has to pay and take care of them. He has to make sure to pay their bills and everything that they need. In those six years. And those years that they're there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but um, during the time, I mean, it's clearly, if you read, you'll read in the Pusik yeah. and in the Rashi, you'll see all these details. But, like, and then Rashi says the, 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 um, why the door, but let's, we, we have enough that I just want to, so what does this all mean to us, you know, to the slaves and everything else? What, what, what kind of a message or what kind of a lesson could we have? So essentially is we know that we all have to, we all have to work for a living. We have to work for making ends meet. We have to, that's the way the world is. David to created the world, you know. A lot of us would just like to sit and study Torah all the time and uh, pray or go on trips and vacation all the time, but uh, we got to go to work. Now, there is, um, there is two, um, two ways to do work. Sometimes you can do work as a necessary means of, of sustaining yourself. So, which means... What is your real goal in life? Uh, what is your real goal in life? So, real goal of a of a of of a yid uh, of a Jew, especially, should be really to serve Hashem. That should be the goal in life, not the goal, not the goal to work to work. So. Not just work. Now, you work because you need to work. So, if a person, six days we work, like the six years, and on the seventh day it was Shabbos, we rest. So, some people are so busy in their work, they're so preoccupied, they became, they become slaves. So, they're slaves to their work. So, here, instead of being open-minded to be able to time with your family, to have time to uh, go to shul, to have time to go to a class. You're too busy. You asked a lot of people, you say, no, they're busy. But it's not just that they're busy, that they're physically busy. They basically acquired for themselves a new master. You know, they made themselves a new master. The work has become their idle, that's what they do all the time and they live so that they can work and what happens when it comes Shabbos so at least six years you work, but in the seventh year, it says you have to rest, you have to go out free so the uh, some people are so busy, they don't want to Take off the Shabbos even to stop everything. A lot of people say that if you've never experienced what it means to disconnect your phone and your radio and your all things that 
you deal with the whole week. The computer, the news, and everything. You just the car. cut it off. The car, you just do everything. That's a tremendous experience of relief. You know, it's a tremendous relief. You don't smoke. You don't. Uh, you don't do anything. You just relax on Shabbos. But sometimes, like this story of the slave in the parsha, he says, "I don't want to go free. I want to. I want to work all the time, even on Shabbos." Uh, and they're always preoccupied. So, what does Hashem say? Hashem says, "You're my slaves," which means. A Jewish person is Hashem's slaves. We are created in the service of Hashem. That's the ultimate goal and our purpose. So, question is, how am I going to survive? You know, most of the people say, how am I going to survive? I have to work on Shabbos. If I don't work on Shabbos, I don't have enough money to, to pay my bills. So, but the Rashi says from the Pasik, it says from the verse, because you heard from Har Sinai, Hashem said this. And Hashem is the one that vitalizes the world, He creates everything. So, Hashem will give you the strength, He'll give you the opportunity that you need. You need to do what you need to do. If you need to rest on Shabbos, then Hashem will provide for you what you need. If you are determined, especially people that came from the other country and they came to the United States, if they would not work on Shabbos, they had no job. They had no job, they had no money. If they had no money, they couldn't sustain themselves. And it was a very, very big challenge for people. I mean, today, ordinary places closed on Shabbos. Anyway, Shabbos and Sunday a lot of times are closed. I'm not when you're running your own. But in different establishments, you know, Shabbos. But wasn't like that. The people who would work in the sweatshops, they would be, they had to work on Shabbos. If they didn't work on Shabbos, they didn't have anything. But that's not really the case. Because, as we know, many stories, you know, people who kept the Shabbos, notwithstanding, everybody else did, but there were some, there were Maybe not that many, but there were some that nevertheless stood up. And there's a lot of stories in which these people that kept the Shabbos, one famous story in the East Side, I bet you if I asked your father, he would be able to tell you. In the East Side was one of these big, big knitting shops, which had all the, uh, the sweatshops over there, which all the, uh, all the people, there was a major story over there that uh, there was like, they, they put them in, there was no fire safety. It was a major fire over there. You know, yeah. Yeah, my father probably knows the story. And the people that didn't come in on Shabbos, they were saved. The people that didn't come in on Shabbos were saved. The Shabbos, they kept the Shabbos. The Shabbos kept them. They were saved. Mm-hmm. I mean, these these are stories, but the truth of the matter is, Hashem gives us the so. The truth is, even when we work in the weekday, we don't have to be enslaved to the work. We have to do it. And not be enslaved. On the contrary, you utilize all the physical things for Hashem. You work and you do in order to be able to serve Hashem, to get money, to give tzedakah, to live, to eat, to 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 do good, to praise God, 
to daven, to do every good thing. And then when Shabbos comes, the Holy Shabbos comes, then you stop all your work. You don't even do any of the work. And what do we do? We, we, we learn. Yeah, oh, we learn. And we serve Hashem, but we don't serve, we don't do any of the work. What happens when you do that? Then you actually go out free. You actually go out free. You become a free person. You become free. The real free the real freedom is real freedom is that you live a life that you can enjoy and that you can do, you're meaningful. That's the real freedom, the real experience. Um, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Ovis, says that the real free person is one who studies Torah. So the issue really is we have to make up our minds uh, what is it the most important to us and what we want to do and how we want to do that. And, uh, and see, you see, some people will say we don't have a choice. That's what I have to do. That's my business. That's what I have to do. But then you have some people say, no, I'm not going to. And everybody makes a living. Everybody works. This one works. And then some people are enslaved. They make the same. They make the same living. Everybody makes a living. I'm always saying, I look outside and I see the highway. Everybody who lives in the North Shore is coming to the South Shore. And everybody in the South Shore is going to the North Shore. I said, why doesn't everybody just the North Shore work at the North Shore and the South Shore? And you wouldn't have to travel on the highway all the time. Everybody goes in the other direction. Why? At the end, everybody is working. If you... There was a person we read, I think we read that letter. He wrote to the Rebbe. He said, uh, he lives in a place where there's no minion, there is no this, there's nothing. He is very, very... And why is he there? Because that's where his job is. So uh, the Rebbe writes to him, he says, for a job, Hashem sent you there. If it's just for a job, you can have a job anywhere, in another place. You don't need a job only over there. You're there because you have a mission of there. You have to find other Jews, you have to do something, you have to get involved. So there's no such a thing that, you know, I can't help it. You know, this is, I have to do this. It's really what's made up in your mind. And to have the freedom to choose to do what you really want to do, that means, so what is the Pasuk? This is the verse, I mean, I guess the message was that six days a week you work. Even when you work, you shouldn't be working a slavery. But, okay, some of us don't have a choice, but at least on the seventh day, go free. Don't continue your slavery. Take a break once a week. Take a break, and when you take a break, then you'll see that the rest of the week is also not as bad. You're not really a slavery. Not, uh, not a, now, it's sometimes hard. Go ahead. Do you want to say you know, something? When you were beginning this last topic, that our goal is to be a, a slave to God. Servant of Hashem. A servant to God. Isn't that why angels were created as well? Angels are only servants of God, right. but they have no choice. Right. God gave us a choice to choose whether we want to be slaves to the material world or we want to be his slaves. But don't we have to do a little of both? We have to use the material world, as you said, to for, get yeah. God's mitzvot. Right. 
or and to yeah and to bring God's presence to the world, etc., etc. Yeah. But angels only their only services to praise God, to service Hashem, and to do what He needs the missions of Hashem. But uh, yeah, but that's that that that's true. But uh, people are so much happier if they don't feel that they're enslaved to something. You know, they're much so much happier. You know. A lot of times, you know, people it takes away from people's lives uh, when they're just always running and always trying to catch up. And um, 